he woke up to someone yelling at him, Rick, get up, the house is on fire. She realizes that he's not actually a man because he's floating. His legs just fade away into nothing. I remember waking up one night and looking towards my door and seeing an old man I didn't know standing there smiling at me. I tore off, but that kid, he just stood his ground and he thumped off the bumper of my car. I'm thinking she's going to bust the damn door down. She's kicking it so hard and I'm running to open it. I'm yelling at her, I'm coming, I'm coming. And I get to the door and there's nobody there. It's the middle of the night, so my mom grabs a baseball bat and is about to kick some serious ass because she doesn't know who this guy is, but she's watching him walk silently up her stairs. The kid I know I stabbed twice just looks at me and says, maybe next time, and then the group of them just walk off into the night. I checked the ground and the knife, but there was no blood. There wasn't anything. Hey, what's up and hello, and thanks for tuning into Thistle. I'm your host, Thistle, serving up the best strange stories and mysteries that'll leave you with more questions than answers, and hopefully creep you out a bit too. I have a great show planned for you today. I'm going to be talking about the infamous black-eyed children. Now, if you're into the paranormal at all, you no doubt have heard of the black-eyed kids, and if you haven't, well, you must live under a rock or something because the internet is literally riddled with hundreds of stories about black-eyed children to the point where they seem to have almost become a meme. And like all things paranormal, there really isn't any sort of explanation as to who or what these kids truly are. There's a lot of theories floating around out there, ranging from extraterrestrials to ghosts, demons, possessed kids, and even vampires. One thing for sure is that there's something not right with these damn kids. But on today's show, I'm going to be sharing with you some of the strangest black-eyed children encounters I've come across, and I'm also going to be sharing a couple stories detailing what happens when you actually let these creepy little kids inside, which, as you can imagine, it didn't go so well. I'm going to also be discussing the possible theories surrounding the black-eyed children phenomenon and sharing my two cents for what it's worth, so buckle up because shit's about to get weird. But before we dive headfirst into the rabbit hole, if you have a crazy story or strange experience you'd like to share, send me an email. My email address is thistlepodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's thistlepodcast at gmail.com. Now, let's get started. So, the black-eyed children haven't really been around too, too long. Um, the first reported sighting happened to a man by the name of Brian Bethel, and his encounter took place in January of 1996 in Abilene, Texas. He says it was around 9.30 p.m., and he Brian was on his way to pay his internet bill. En route, he decided to pull into a movie theater parking lot to write out the check as the marquee lighting from the theater provided him enough light to see what he was doing. And as he was writing out his check, two boys he placed to be between the ages of 10 and 14 knocked on his window. Well, he describes the boys as being pale and dressing in jeans and hoodies with the taller boy, who he presumed to be older of the two, He had an air of quiet confidence, and he describes an uneasy feeling immediately after seeing these boys. 
The taller boy began to explain to Brian that they wanted to go see the latest Mortal Kombat movie, but they didn't have any money. And instead of asking Brian for the money, the boy asks Bethel to drive him to their house so that they can retrieve some money. Brian is obviously nervous and he's, uh, he's hesitant, but the first boy continued to try to coax him into giving them a lift, saying things like, come on, mister, we just want to go to our house and we're just two little boys or come on, mister, let us in. We can't get into your car until you let us in. You know, just let us in and we'll be gone before you know it. We'll just go to our mother's house. So Brian found himself unlocking the car door without even realizing it. It's almost as if he were instructed to do so by the boys. And after catching himself, he looks back at the boys for a fresh perspective and notices that both of their eyes are pitch black. No sclera, no iris, no pupils, nothing, just black. Now, all the stories, or not all of the stories, but most of the stories of people meeting black-eyed kids claim that once you realize their eyes are black things can get a bit dicey. So the first, at this point, the first boy is doing all the talking. The second boy just continued to stand there completely silent while the first boy is now beginning to threaten Brian saying, we won't hurt you. You have to let us in. Let us in. We don't have any guns. Just let us in. And according to Bethel, the boy was implying that they didn't need guns. Um, But the boy started, at this point, the boy started pulling at the car door handle and demanding to be let in. And with what courage he managed to muster, Brian pushed his car into reverse and speeds home, leaving the boys where he found them. Now, Brian Bethel's encounter is a very typical um, black-eyed children encounter. And one of the many curiosities surrounding the black-eyed children is that these encounters repeatedly follow the same two patterns. And you're either going to have a roadside encounter, which is similar to the one Brian Bethel experienced, where the children are seen walking or standing along the side of a road, and they approach your vehicle and you pull over to offer assistance. Or the other type of encounter you could have is a home invasion type encounter, where the children show up at the front door of your home. And in either type of these encounters, the children always demand on being allowed an entry. If you're in a car, they ask for a ride or shelter from the weather. And if you're at home, they are they likely are going to ask to come inside to use your phone to make a call or use the bathroom or they're asking for food or something. But they want to be let inside. And they're all typically described as falling between the ages of 6 and 16. Um, they're described as having very pale skin, wearing simple style clothing. Usually it's some sort of sweater with jeans. And they all have menacing cold black eyes, which are absent of pupil, iris, and sclera. The kids always bring a strong sense of dread and fear with them. And they almost seem to possess a type of hypnotic quality. As many people who encounter these children report feeling compelled to let them in, which directly contradicts the primal fear nearly nearly all witnesses describe having during these encounters. And when the children's demands are refused, or if the witnesses notice their eyes, these kids have been known to become dangerous and increasingly hostile. However, this isn't always the case. The majority of encounters report that the children typically leave on their own accord after a short amount of time. Very few reports describe violent encounters, and even fewer reports exist detailing what happens when you let these creepy little shits in. 
luckily or unluckily for you, I've compiled the most compelling reports I could find on these types of encounters. One such story happened to a man as he sat in his car along a lonely remote road in Utah. And in his case, he claims that he had stopped to take a short rest when two kids, um, a boy and a girl, seemingly in their mid-teens, materialized out of the night as they approached his vehicle. And at first he he was worried um, that they were lost as it was out in the middle of nowhere in the dark and uh, there was no one else around for miles. So he rolls down his window to get a better look at them, thinking he would call out to ask if they needed help. Um, However, things became a bit unsettling as they approached his vehicle. He claims that the kids seemed to be wearing old-fashioned style clothing, although he was uncertain from which era it could have been from. And he notes that they were both remarkably pale to the point that they almost seemed to emanate a faint glow from their skin in the moonlight. And they both had odd-looking, bowl-cut-style haircuts, and for whatever reason, that really made him anxious. So, slightly unnerved, he called out to the two and asks if something had happened to them and if they needed help. And the boy replied, yes, please. And as the two kids closed the distance, that was when the witness noticed that both of them had pure black eyes like those of a shark. And this realization also happened to coincide with a sudden tingling feeling of dread that sort of spread through his body, and he describes it as being like ripples in a pond. And then one of them spoke. The boy allegedly told him that they were lost out in the desert and that they needed help. He asked the witness to open the car door and give them a ride to the nearest town. But at this point, the witness claims that he was overwhelmed with a sheer wall of fear and the potent urge to get away from there as fast as he could, yet he also found that he seemed to be unable to move, as if he were paralyzed. He goes on to say this, It was a really strange sensation. Every fiber of my being was screaming to get the hell out of there, but I was, I don't know how to describe it, sort of transfixed, hypnotized, whatever. Anyway, there wasn't a chance I was going to open that door, but I couldn't move to get my car started either. I was like a prisoner in my own skull looking out. And that window was just rolled down. There was nothing separating me from that freaky kid's face just leering outside. The witness then says that by sheer willpower, he was able to move his arm slowly towards the window, but he describes it as if a massively heavy weight were attached to it. He supposedly had to lean a bit with his body as he inched his as he inched his limb closer to the car door, and that the whole time the two kids just stared at him quizzically as if they were somewhat amused by it all. And as the witness leaned and tried to work his arm, he says that something very strange happened. He claims, verbatim, the whole time neither of the kids had made any move to come closer or force or reach their way in, like there was some kind of invisible wall there where my window would have been. Then I was sort of rocking back and forth and leaning, trying to get my goddamn arm to move, and some part of my clothing must have passed that unseen barrier because that was when the boy, quick as a whip, snagged my jacket with his hand and at the same time smiled. I tell you, I will never forget that smile. His teeth, they were like, they were made out of metal, gleaming, and that was what I think snapped me out of it, those teeth. The weight that had been holding me down was lifted, and I shoved that fucker as hard as I could. So the boy apparently was surprised by this sudden push and let's go and stumbled back and 
an apparent look of shock on his face. In the meantime, the witness started up his car, not sure of whether or not he would be paralyzed. He would be paralyzed again soon. And when he looked up, he claims that the same boy had somehow appeared in the front of the vehicle, and he stood there as if he was trying to keep the witness from leaving. Now, the girl wasn't doing much. She was apparently off to the side a bit, but was staring intently with a look of anger on her face. And in a panic, the witness says he floored it anyway, but that the boy did not budge. He says, I tore off, but that kid stood his ground and thumped off my bumper. I wasn't going very fast at that point, but enough to mess someone up, you'd think. But when I looked in my rear view, I swear that kid was getting up and dusting himself off like it was no big thing. I just got the hell out of there and I didn't look back again. I'll never forget the whole thing. It was like a nightmare and I still wonder what would have happened to me if I'd actually given them a ride like they'd wanted. Now, it's definitely an outlandish tale and from an anonymous witness with absolutely zero proof. So its authenticity can't be validated at all, which makes me believe it could just all be bullshit. But nevertheless, I felt it worth sharing with you. And although it is quite a wild story, it fades in comparison to the next story I'm going to be sharing with you involving a witness who stopped at a Nevada rest stop when he was approached by three young people. Now, he describes them, the, these three kids, as maybe being 8 to 18 years of age and wearing dusty, somewhat worn out looking clothes. And like the previous report, he says that they had black eyes and that they'd ask for a ride. The witness says that he produced a knife in case he had to defend himself, and the guy says that he made the mistake of opening up his car door a crack as he had been about to step out and chase them off. And that at this moment, one of the kids had torn the door open and actually dragged him out of the car. Now, he had the knife in his hand still, and he claims that he lashed out with it in a panic and managed to stab his assailant. He goes on to explain... They pull me out of that car, and I tumble to the ground. I figure I'm screwed at that point, but through the veil of fear, I realize that my hand is holding something, and it's my knife. I wasn't really thinking when I stabbed out with it at the nearest shape, and I got him. I felt that knife sink in, but when I look up, he is just looking at me with those black, beady eyes. I hit him with the knife again, but no reaction. He's just standing there, staring. The others are looking on as if it's no big deal. Then the kid I know I stabbed twice says, maybe next time, and they just walk off into the night. I checked the ground and the knife, but there was no blood, no nothing. I don't know if I passed some kind of test or not, and maybe that's why they left me alone, but I have no doubt in my mind that they wanted me dead. I've read a lot of encounters and stories about the black-eyed children, but this one has to rank up there with the weirdest. Um... I really, I really have no idea what to make of these accounts or how true they could be. I mean, this, you know, there is the chance that this guy is just an internet, internet troll messing around, but damn if it's not an interesting twist on what could happen when you encounter these kids. Um, but the next story I'm going to be sharing with you is what I would consider to be the weirdest Black Eyed Kids story I've ever come across. And I first read about it in a book by a paranormal investigator and author Brad Steiger titled Real Vampires, Night Stalkers, and Creatures from the Dark Side, and this book was published in 2009. And in the book, Steiger notes that around 2003, he began receiving letters from people describing their encounters with strange black-eyed beings. And one of those letters was from a man named Carter, who had a very strange encounter in Seattle while out with his wife Suzanne and their two friends, Greg and Karen. 
Carter writes that as the group exited a seafood restaurant, he'd spotted a group of four teenage boys who looked to be about 14 years old in a park across the street from the restaurant. So as the group is making their way to the car, Carter notices the group of boys staring at him and he thought it was, and he thought that he heard one of them call his name, but he brushed it off as he clearly did not know them. And as they're getting into the car, Carter's wife, Suzanne, asks him if he knew the group of boys because they were calling his name. He says he doesn't, but he sees the boys beginning to make their way towards them. So their friend Greg, who's sitting in the back seat at this point, suggests that they leave since the teens are probably looking for trouble and says that they're, they likely overheard Carter's name as they were leaving the restaurant. And they were using it as some sort of way to gain proximity to them as it was a common ploy that criminals use. So Carter agrees and he begins backing the car out of the parking space. And as he's doing so, he makes eye contact with the teen who he surmised to be the leader of the group. He goes on to say how he immediately regretted doing so as his eyes were like black marbles. When I glanced at the other boys, I noticed that they too had no ordinary pupils, just black marbles. As they were leaving the parking lot, Craig asked Carter if he had noticed if the boys had any weapons like knives or guns or something. Carter said he didn't see any of that, but mentions their eyes and asks if anybody else had noticed. Well, nobody in the group had noticed that, and they all kind of rationalized it as the kids were likely wearing sunglasses as the sun had just started to go down. So that was the logical explanation for it. Carter brushed it off and drove to the movie theater. They were going to go see a movie after dinner. So after the movie, the group of friends are exiting the theater discussing the movie and Carter notices the same group of boys across the street from the theater. This time, they're leaning against the wall of a Chinese restaurant. Carter points the boys out to the rest of the group, who were all equally as puzzled as he was, unsure of how the boys got there, let alone how they knew which theater and movie they were going to see to know when they would be exiting the theater. All of it kind of left them pretty unsettled. And uh, the boys begin to wave at them, this time, and as Carter describes it, with big, sinister smiles stretched across their face. Carter's wife, Suzanne, who is clearly creeped out, tells the group to get in the car. They all quickly do, and begin to, Carter begins to drive across the city to their favorite pub, which is on the outskirts of the city. This time, Greg, who was in the backseat, kept watch, making sure that, uh, that they weren't being followed, so he's in the back, peeking out the back window, and he doesn't see any cars, and satisfied that the teens hadn't followed them, the group began to relax in the pub and enjoyed a couple drinks at the bar, and by the time they were leaving the bar at around 1 a.m., they'd completely forgotten about the strange boys, that is, until Carter spotted them yet again, and this time they were closer, they were sitting on the curb of the street on the other side of the street, Shocked by their presence, obviously, Greg insisted that they call the police. Suzanne wanted to go home immediately, and Karen was laughing it all off. She thought that the whole thing was some sort of an elaborate prank that the other three were trying to play on her, um, which wasn't the case. And wanting to get as far away from the boys as possible, the group quickly got in the car and sped off. And during the car ride, Greg, Suzanne, and Carter managed to convince Karen that they weren't joking and that the three of them had no idea what was going on. Carter dropped Greg and Karen off at their respective homes and he and Suzanne made a silent beeline for home. 
they knew it wasn't a joke and they were severely creeped out by the whole thing. They had only been home for a few moments when there was a knock on the door. Still unnerved by the strangeness of their night, he nervously approached the door and looked through the peephole to see the boy standing on his porch. The leader was leaning against the door while the other three sat sprawled out on his porch steps. Carter notes that their black eyes were reflecting the light from the streetlights and creeped him out. The leader knocks on the door again after Carter refuses to answer, and this time he asks Carter to open the door. Carter reaches for the baseball bat he kept in the in the entry closet and tells them no and, de- and demands that they leave or he's going to be calling the police. The leader asks to come in and use the phone so he can call someone who will come and pick them up. Carter obviously says no and again tells them to leave. The leader asks to come in to use the bathroom this time. Carter says no. The leader then asks to come in to be let in for something to eat and explains to Carter that the four of them are absolutely starving. Carter says no and remains standing on the other side of the closed door, clutching the baseball bat in order and ordering the teens to leave. Now, the leader's voice, according to Carter, is growing louder and more insistent with each request, and then eventually the others, the other three boys joined in, and they began to demand being let in for something to eat, and they're kicking and pounding on the door as they, sh- as they shout. Now, Carter could started to hear faint police sirens in the distance and Suzanne had locked herself upstairs in the the bedroom and called the cops when she heard that the boys were at the door so Carter's looking through the peephole and when he sees the squad car turn the corner the boys just simply disappeared vanished in the blink of an eye so at this point he's unsure of what to tell the police when they come to the door but he ultimately says that a group of rowdy teenagers were pounding on the front door refusing to leave carter gave accurate descriptions of the four boys minus the dark black minus the black eyes and said that they ran away when they heard the police coming and what sets this story apart from most black eyed kid encounters is the multiple witnesses and the multiple encounters over the course of the night it's very uncommon for these kids to show up in multiple places with no explanation as to how they could have gotten there in the first place. And while the vast majority of experiences typically end non-violently with the creepy kids just simply disappearing quietly after being refused entry, some people, however, are not as fortunate and actually have allowed the children to enter their homes, as in the case from a woman living in rural Vermont. This account was reported in 2016 and reads as follows. I made the mistake of letting the black-eyed kids inside my home, and now I'm worried that I might die because of it. I hope this will be a warning to everyone who was ever in the position to make the same mistake that I did. I live just outside of a rural town in Vermont. It's a tight-knit community where everyone knows one another, and people don't typically lock their doors at night. There's never really been a need to. A little over a year ago, I woke up because I heard a loud banging on my front door. At the time, my husband and I lived in a small home on a dirt road just off the rural route into town. It was in the middle of a snowstorm, and the nearby hills get pretty slippery in the snow, so I thought that someone might have been in an accident and broken down. It's happened before. When I looked out the window, though, I could see that our motion spotlight was on. I could see that there were footprints in the snow that had come from our road, and into our driveway, but there was no car anywhere. The snow was still covering the road, and no one had driven on it for at least a couple hours. Our front door was obscured from the window, but I could see someone was standing there. I wasn't sure what to think, so I woke my husband up, just to feel safer, 
While I was telling him what was going on, the banging on the door started up again, and my husband went to answer it while I stood in the hallway. When he opened the door, there were two small children standing in the snow looking towards the ground. They were a boy and a girl, and could not have been more than eight years old. They were dressed strangely and had odd haircuts. The girl's hair was very long and straight, and the boy had a dated haircut that kind of resembled a bowl cut. They weren't dressed for winter at all, and my first thought was that they must have been Mennonite children, but as far as I knew, there was never a large community of Mennonites near us. Thinking back on it, I know that my normal reaction to seeing children in a snowstorm would have been to rush them inside and bundle them up with some blankets and hot cocoa, but that's not how this felt. The children were very unnerving. They would not make eye contact, and when my husband asked them if everything was okay, they asked if they could come in. My husband looked at me like, what do I do? And I asked the kids where their parents were. They'll be here soon, is all they said. It was around 2 o'clock in the morning at this point, so the only reasonable thought in my head was that there must have been an accident or these kids got lost. As much as my instincts told me not to bring them inside, I did it anyway. I went into the kitchen to make them some hot cocoa while my husband took them to the living room. While I was fixing the kettle, I could hear my husband talking to the kids. He was asking them if they were okay, where they came from, how far they'd walked, if their parents' car was broken down, things like that. But they always answered, our parents will be here soon. They spoke in a sing-songy voice, and they weren't afraid to be in a stranger's home, at all. I started to notice that our cats, we had four of them, they were all hiding except for Pigeon, who was in the kitchen with me. Now, normally our cats are very curious and friendly, and we have to be careful that they don't run out the door when we leave. This time, though, none of them had even tried to see who was here, which I thought was very strange. All of the hair on Pigeon's neck was standing up, and his tail was puffed up while he looked into the living room. When I bent down to pet him and see what was wrong, he hissed and started growling, and backed up until he had hid himself under the kitchen island. I'd never seen him do that before. When I walked back into the living room, the kids were sitting on the couch, as still as can be, but my husband was holding his head in his hands. I asked him what's wrong, and he just said that he felt very dizzy all of a sudden, but that he was fine. I turned back to the children to give them their cocoa, but when they looked at me, I gasped. It took everything inside of me not to drop the mugs and run away. When they looked at me, their eyes were completely black. They had no white in their eye, just giant black pupils. When they saw that I was scared, they stood up and asked if they could use the bathroom. I tried to be as composed as I could be and showed them down the hall to the bathroom. They went in together, and I hurried back to my husband to ask him if he had seen their eyes. He had seen them too, and said that it looked like his brother's badly bruised eyes after a car accident. We were in the middle of talking about whose children they could be when my husband's nose started to bleed. He'd never had nosebleeds as long as I had known him. I just knew inside myself that this had something to do with those kids in the bathroom, and I started crying while I ran to get him some tissues. That's when the power went out. I heard my husband yell my name from the living room, and as I started to walk back through the hallway, I stopped dead in my tracks. The two children were standing at the end of the hallway. They weren't moving, and I have never been more scared in my whole life. They just stood there, in the dark. After what felt like forever, the boy said, Our parents are here. And they walked to the door, opened it, and walked out, leaving it wide open. My husband jumped up to close it and almost fell over. We looked out the window and saw two men standing by a black car, idling at the end of our driveway. The men looked like they were wearing black-colored suits and were very tall. 
at least six feet. When my husband waved at them, they just stared at us, got into the car, and drove off. Our power came on about half an hour later, but nothing was the same after that. Over the next few months, three of our cats went missing. We can only assume that they ran away somewhere and never came back, but the worst thing was coming home to find Pigeon in a puddle of blood in the living room floor. He looked like he had been vomiting blood. The vet told us that he had some kind of internal hemorrhaging. After my husband's nosebleeds became a regular occurrence, we went to see the doctor. He didn't know what to make of it other than dry nasal passages, but my husband was diagnosed with an aggressive skin cancer. When the doctor asked us if he had used tanning beds, we both thought he was joking, but apparently this kind of melanoma is linked to overuse of indoor tanning. The doctor thinks he'll recover, but doesn't understand how it got so bad so quickly. My husband has never worked an outdoor job, and spends relatively little time in the sun. Since we let the black-eyed kids inside our home, I've also suffered from regular dizzy spells and nosebleeds on a regular basis. I've had other issues, which I won't mention here, but trust me when I say that I am suddenly in the worst condition of my life, and no one can do anything about it. I know that all of this is because I let the black-eyed children into my home. We've told everyone we could about the strange kids that showed up that night, but no one else saw them, and some laugh at how scared we were over the Mennonite kids. But we know what we saw. I wish my husband had never opened that door. My advice would be to lock your doors, call the police, and wait for morning. Don't make the same mistake that I did. Now, I would say that that story has got to be the most frightening black-eyed children encounter I've come across. And what I find extra creepy about the whole thing is the power going out and the weird men that came and picked the kids up and how they bear an eerie resemblance to the men in black reports floating around. Not only that, but the skin cancer, nosebleeds, and internal hemorrhaging all indicate symptoms of radiation exposure, which is commonly suffered by people who witness UFOs at a close range. Oddly enough, though, this isn't the first story I've read where someone has gotten cancer or died from cancer-related illness after coming in close proximity with these kids. A woman named Jamie Lynn writes, My friend took a road trip to see another friend near Arcata, California. They visited, said their goodbyes, and he stopped by a bar to have a drink before going to his hotel room for the night. The bartender there was a beautiful woman, and my friend also happened to be a very attractive man. She served him and inevitably ended up chatting and flirting with one another. After a few more drinks, the woman told him he could stay at her place. She told him to leave his car at the bar and she would drive him back the next day, as her place was hard to find and somewhat remote. He took her up on it. He told me later that he began to be very fearful when they arrived at her home. She took him to her room and, of course, the inevitable sex experience happened. He said that he was actually frightened of her then as well, as she was not acting normally and sounded almost inhuman in a way. After laying in bed for a while, the woman had fallen asleep and he got up to get some water from the kitchen. As he was walking to the sink, he saw numerous small, frightening-looking children walking to and fro about the place. It was a large two-story house and he wondered why they were doing what they were doing up at 2 a.m. if they had school the next day. He also said that they looked at him with completely black eyes and he was terrified of them and that they also gave him a horrible feeling. Turns out the woman owned the bar, and she did return him the next day, although she forced him out early and he had to walk the rest of the way to the highway. I met up with him a week or two later, and he seemed perfectly fine, albeit a little frazzled. 
About a month later, though, this extremely healthy, athletic individual was diagnosed with bladder cancer, and no medication or treatment would impact his condition. He believed it was directly related to that experience with the black-eyed children in Arcata. He died about six months after his diagnosis. So there is clearly something wrong with these kids, and what I find interesting about this particular report is that he entered into the home of these black-eyed children. These black-eyed children didn't approach him, and yet he ended up with a cancer diagnosis, which unfortunately he later succumbed to. So this raises the question, who or what exactly are these kids? Also, why the hell do they want to be invited in so badly? I think it's safe to assume that these children are definitely not just children. The most popular theories point to them being extraterrestrials of some sort, as many reports take place in and around UFO hotspots, as well as them being linked to men in black, as we heard in the previous story. The symptoms of radiation exposure documented in that same story is also very compelling, and it does point to an extraterrestrial element to these children. Um, The other leading theory is that these kids are real-life vampires, and since mythology dictates that vampires cannot enter your home unless they are invited in, and while I personally don't think that these kids are vampires because I don't actually believe in vampires, I do think that the vampire theory does raise some interesting details worth noting. The first one being how they must be invited in, and they seem to do everything within their power to bend you to their will, such as hypnotizing their victims. This is interesting because that's exactly what a vampire is allegedly supposed to do. And But why I don't think that they're vampires, they were vampires, then when they're let inside, legend should dictate that these kids would feast on the blood of the living. But that's not what happens in either instance of being let inside or coming in close contact with these kids. So if they're not ETs and if they're not vampires, like what else could they be? I personally believe that these kids are demonic in nature, and just to clarify, my definition of a demon is a lower vibrational energy that has not, nor will ever be human. And my reasoning behind this is because, according to mythology and some religious texts, demons cannot possess the body of a human without first having a claim over that person. So they can project or manifest themselves as a human, but these projections of themselves are all are always incomplete or inaccurate in some way. Um, people who have reported seeing demons mimicking a human form note that while they appear to be human, there's always something not right about them. Uh, usually it's an abnormality in the face of some sort. Either the manifestation is lacking a face completely, or the eyes are off, or it's missing a nose, or something else along those lines, but they cannot accurately project themselves as a human. Also, Demons prefer to disguise themselves as someone or something else. Usually, it's um, they prefer to project themselves as a, mo- a small child or, more often, a little girl as a way to trick you into inviting them in. And think about it. It makes sense. People are more likely to help out and offer assistance to a small child, especially a little girl, um, because children are perceived as being vulnerable and innocent. And unless you're a complete monster you're naturally going to feel compelled to want to help that child out. And going back to demons requiring a claim over someone in order to possess them, maybe that's why these kids are so damn persistent on being invited in. Because if you invite them into your sacred space, 
They therefore are welcomed and they have a right to be there. Now, take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt because this is just my own thought process and I'm just spitballing here. But if these kids really are demons projecting themselves as children in order to deceive the victim and be invited in, they don't seem to possess people in the traditional way meaning there's no exorcism required because these people tend to become very sick and later succumb to their diseases in a relatively short time span. It's almost as if the children or demons have no desire to physically possess a person, but maybe they energetically feed off of a person, which results in disease and death because they steal the life force of another human in order to sustain their manifestation. Uh, it's an un- it's it's undoubtedly a far-fetched idea, but you know, let's be real. We're talking about creepy supernatural kids with black eyes showing up and disappearing out of nowhere here. The whole notion is seriously far-fetched. And having said that, you know, just by definition of how a demonic energy allegedly manifests themselves, um. I think it's fair to say that black-eyed children are demonic entities, and I did come across an article um, published back in 2008 from a group of MIT researchers, and they are studying human cell vibration and how it relates to disease. And their findings suggest that disease cells vibrate differently and at a lower frequency than healthy cells, and they measured this difference by using a Um, a highly sensitive laser capable of picking up these vibrations. And what I find interesting about this is that maybe this means that healthy cells can be transformed into diseased cells simply by shifting their vibration. And if so, could it be done infrasonically from an outside source? Meaning, if these children are demonic manifestations, could they alter, possess overtake your body's natural vibration, which would cause your cells to behave as if they were diseased. It's interesting, but if so, the lower vibration your cells would be generating would cause your your cells to produce faulty proteins, which would lead to mutations, which would regenerate more and more unhealthy diseased cells, and ultimately, that's how you get cancer and other diseases. I don't know. I don't know, it's just my own theory, and I know it's way out there, believe me, but who knows, that could be what's happening here. Or I could be way off, and they're actually aliens walking around in human suits, learning how to be humans to study us, and maybe these creepy kids have to pass some sort of test, and then they get their Boy Scouts badge or something, I don't know. I don't know, I don't pretend to be an expert, and honestly, I don't think we'll ever know what these kids are, and why they do what they do. With so much misinformation out there, it's hard to even say if these kids really do exist or if they're just some urban legend that has been perpetuated in creepy internet stories. I know I believe the stories, though. Not all of them, but, you know, I do believe that they're in the black-eyed children. I've never encountered one myself, praise Jesus, and I hope I never do. My brother has, though, and I told his story back in episode one, so go have a listen to that but I believe him. You know, I know my brother and I know what he saw was real and what he described a scene as, he described it as pure evil. So I know there's something to it, but like all paranormal and strange happenings, it's up for you to decide what you believe. And it's hard to decide what you believe 
unless you've experienced something yourself. I know if some black-eyed demon child comes knock on my door, I won't be inviting them in for tea and cookies, and I would advise you to do the same. On that note, I want to thank you for listening. Seriously, I really do appreciate it. If you want to read more about the black-eyed children, I post all my source and reference material in the description, so go check that out if you feel so inclined. Also, let me know what you think. I want to know what your thoughts are on the subject. Have you experienced a black-eyed kid yourself, or do you maybe think that they are something entirely different? I don't know. Either way, I'd love to know what you think about these creepy little shits, so let me know in the comments or shoot me an email. My email address is thistlepodcast at gmail.com. And remember, if the black-eyed children come a-knocking, shut off the lights, pretend you're not home, and whatever you do, don't open the door. Until next time, sleep tight. What the weatherman says when the weatherman says it's raining You'll never hear me complaining I'm certain the sun will shine I don't care how the weather vane points when the weather vane points to gloomy It's gotta be sunny to me when your eyes look into mine Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those creepers? Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those eyes? Gosh, y'all get up, how'd they get so lit up? Gosh, y'all get up, how'd they get that size? Golly gee, when you turn those heaters on, oh, is me. Got to put my heaters on. Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those creepers? Oh, those weepers, how they hypnotize. Yeah. Where'd you get those eyes? Put my cheetahs on. Weepers, creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Oh, those weepers. How they hypnotize. Knock me out. Where'd you get those eyes? Where'd you get them? Won't you put me wide? Don't you die, man. Pay to advertise. Tell them something. Where did you get those eyes?